Hello and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Amara Kwaja, who is the CEO of Mod Garden, a company that has been featured in the news for its revolutionary appliances that provide people the ability to have a micro farm in the comfort of their home. And it produces nutrient-rich tasting organic vegetables. And I'm particularly excited about this product because it also includes a smart app and their units do automatically almost most of the growing for you, saving time for busy people like us while still delivering healthy foods. Anyway, welcome to the show, Amar. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, well, I'm so glad our mutual friend Gus referred you to me because I was looking at your background and you have figured out how to integrate your business expertise from your years as a Wall Street banking executive with your passion for eating healthy foods. But now I'm also interested in some of your leadership tips. I don't know if it was your financial background that allowed you to be such a good leader or if it's the fact that you, you know, grew up in various different countries during your childhood and had to interact with different cultures. So you tell me, why do you think you have succeeded as a leader? Yeah, I think uh, being a leader is an evolving skill. I don't think it ever ends. It's asymptotic, actually. Achieving perfection in leadership uh, is something that we all work toward. And I think it's all of the above. It's life experience, it's travel. I would attribute a lot of where I am today to having access to diverse cultures and diverse backgrounds. And myself coming from a diverse background, well, coming from Pakistani parents, but born in England, hmm. in a, uh, outside of my heritage. Um, so all of that, you know, culminating to New York, uh, living in Nigeria for several years, I think all of that plays into who we are today with the education. So I draw on those mm -hmm. to inform me and to keep a pulse on how I'm doing. Mm. Very good. So I'm curious if in addition to that, living in different cultures and traveling, which I've done as well, does give you the, I think almost the edge in being able to interact with all types of people and understand them better. But like you said earlier, it's it's an evolving skill, right? So are there any particular things that you have supplemented your leadership effectiveness with, whether it be mentoring or just learning from the school of hard knocks? Yeah, you know, you don't really know. So when, when you're growing up and you have this diverse background, especially I was discriminated, racially profiled all the time, pretty much my entire life, predominantly prior to getting into university. Once I graduated high school and, and got into university, I always, all of a sudden found I was very capable and ahead in many respects of my, I don't want to say competitors, but let's say colleagues yeah. and uh, a formidable opponent. My first job at Merrill Lynch was completely by accident. And I, I'm an NYU grad and then got my, you know, went to work later, but while I was at Merrill Lynch, originating mortgage-backed securities, people from Harvard wanted my job. And you know, they would do anything to get it, the proverbial knife in the back, whatever it is. And so you learn as you go. And I tried a few things. I tried to be a dictator. <laughs> I, tried to be, I tried to be a hard person. And you know, we as Pakistanis, the culture is a very hard culture where the demands of us are just sometimes it's so insurmountable. You've got to be a doctor. You've got to be an engineer. You yeah. have to fight for the family. 
this is this is what I grew up hearing. I come from a family of doctors. And so, you know, <laughs> uh, getting getting in there, you know, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to be number one, yeah. no matter what. And so I've tried on a different a number of different hats. And long story short, where I am today is love. That's where I am today. My leadership style is love. And I'm actually writing the core values of my current venture. And I'm, I'm literally playing with love as a business strategy, love as the way to lead and love between us colleagues who are interacting with each other. I can't handle it any other way. Hmm. Wow. So I don't hear that very often. And I'm glad to hear that, of course. And I am wondering if also you learned the importance of that from, uh, not that you were burned out, but you were in such a competitive environment, not just at Merrill Lynch, but at J.P. Morgan Chase and at Bank of America and all these other places that I think you got to possibly experience the opposite. And then maybe that's why you value it so much. Would you say that's true? A hundred percent. I hated it. I hated it. Every morning I woke up and I've toyed with suicide in my teens. I toyed with suicide while I was at NYU and I'm never going to commit suicide. Yeah. But yeah. those thoughts entry and like, what's the point? What's yeah. the point? What am I doing here? Making no difference whatsoever. I'm making wealthy people wealthier. Yeah. I don't care. I really don't care. And I think every morning I woke up and I said, God, I really want to change the world. Put me in a position where I can change the world, where I can be a person of service, where I can take my culmination of life experience, education, um, the wealth I've accumulated and put it to work into something where when I'm lying, I like to say I wrote a chapter in a book, Creative Grit, and I began the chapter by saying I'm lying on my deathbed and I glance over my life and I ask myself, did I do absolutely everything I could possibly do given my education and given my privilege of health and position and where, you know, being in New York and to do everything in my power to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And then that, that's what I measure myself by. And that is what I measure myself by every single day when I wake up. Yeah. And that's who I surround myself with. I, I do not surround myself with my, my team is not surrounded with people who are, oh, Armour, you're so great. Oh, you've done such, you've, you've done wondrous things. No, I surround myself with people who are, who are going to stand up, get up in the morning and say, Armour, I disagree with you. No, this is not the way to do it. And uh, that's been one of my blind spots, actually, uh, to, you know, to take, <laughs> to take oh. your podcast. Has been, you know, as a new entrepreneur, there's a number of blind spots that I had to deal with. And so, yeah, so I've, these are sort of the tactics I've used to kind of overcome them. Okay, so it sounds like you're now clear about your values. Mm. Is that how you have learned to hire people is, is to look for people that have similar values, which sounds like includes people who will speak up and tell things how mm. they see it? Oh, 100%. So there's a duality in that. I definitely demand that people that I bring in have very similar in-service values. They want to live a life of purpose themselves and have been searching for something. And they need to see someone in me, if I can call myself a leader, echoing and living that purpose. And I do. You know, If I'm not, I want to be called out on it. Yeah. If I slip, I want to be called out on it. 
And the duality is that at the same time, well, you know, there's business. We have to run a business. Yeah. And so that, that's the balance of the blind spot, if you will, yeah. between having this obsession. I'm obsessed with what I'm bringing the world. And I think that is what an entrepreneur has to be if they're doing something that's going to be globally impactful. But at the same time, we have to run a business. So I cannot be that obsessed. I have to have a balance of that obsession and run a real life business that's going to have profit. But we balance those profits with the planet and the people that are yeah. living on it. Yeah. Well, since you teed it up for me, then please reveal what was a moment when you discovered your blind spot, when you realized, oh, my leadership style is not working right now. Yeah. You know, when you're an inventor, finance guy turned into a soil scientist slash <laughs> biologist slash, you know, I play one in my venture, if you will. Mm -hmm. And when you go down that, I don't want to call it a rabbit hole, but when you go down that you know, path of learning something new and being obsessed about it and seeing what change it can bring, you do become obsessed about it and, and you develop your own echo chamber. And that's what, that's what I was accused of by my own teammates. And in what was, way, in what way, Amar, what did they specifically say? Yeah, that you're, you're losing the forest from the trees. You're married to your product, but ah. you've, you've failed to see how you're going to bring this product to market. What's happening with your finances? What's happening with the team? And I thought, well, if I'm leading with this passion and everybody can get behind me and I'm this fearless <laughs> leader, yes. right? So yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a balance to it. So, you know, on one hand, I was this sort of, you know, I started the conversation off by saying I'm a dictator and yeah. I drove hard. Yeah. I drove yeah. with metrics and I said, we got to get this done. Why? Because the people above me were saying, we got to get this done. And the people above me were, were the traders and the CEOs, the, yeah. the heads of fixed income and the heads of, at that time, mortgage finance. And they were the hard drivers. And I thought, well, everything rolls downhill, so let's just do it. And people yeah. did have to kind of fall in place and people did fall in place. But this is a very different world that I live now. And I love the world that I live in now, but it also requires balance. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of entrepreneurs could probably relate to what you just shared and are probably relieved that they're not the only ones. So what is an example of what you do different now? Yeah, so there's a lot. So we have launched a pre-campaign and a team has converged around this. And during my entrepreneurial journey of the last, let's say, five plus years of developing the soil and, you know, maturing the product, we're still pre-seed. We're just about to launch the product over the next year. During this time, it's been a little bit of a revolving door. And there have been multiple reasons why. But it has been, am I my chamber? Are there the right people on the team? Are they, I don't need them for, to be obsessed. I think there's a, a cycle of who are your initial people are as they come in, they egg you on, and then who are here for the long haul and who are going to stick with you for the long haul. And nothing to say about people who have come in and out. Everybody has life experiences and a lot of people cannot hold out for five to seven years or whatever it takes. You know, I'm set to hold out. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, this is what I've been dreaming about all my life, and I'm, but other people may not be. Yeah. And so... Just being cognizant of that. And sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes the, the finances just are not there. The investment financings aren't there for you to be able to arm a company with all the money in the world and then get it off the ground. To tell you the truth, had it happened any sooner or earlier in abundance, you know, the investment and income coming in, 
we probably would be nowhere. We probably would have squandered it. Everything happens for a reason and in its own time. And I've learned to stop fighting that. Mm. I've learned to stop fighting the clock. Everybody on Wall Street wants everything yesterday. It's so tiring and it's gotten so old. Yeah. But the universe, the world, you know, God, people around you, you have no control. It has its own time. You just have to show up. And that's what I have to demonstrate to people. Well, I show yeah. up day in and day out. Yeah. And you lead with that example. Yeah. Well, Amar, it sounds to me that one of the adjustments you've made as a leader is that you really are committed to leading with love right now rather than with dictatorship, if you will. <laughs> 100%. Well, and, and it's exciting. I know that a lot of people know about Kickstarter, and I know you are on the path to launch, like you said, and um, I'm happy to, to tell you that when I hang up, now that I know about that, I will be one of the first who reserves my, my unit. Anyone else who's interested, you can go to reserve.modgarden.com. Anyway, I'm really glad you're you know, staying in there until you could provide this to the world. I also know that you, know, you met with the Department of Defense regarding how to secure the nation's food supply and how to make sure that there's not the level of toxicity that all these children and all of us are putting in our bodies, right? Because the health crisis is increasing dramatically. You know, one right. of the, yeah. And one of the questions I ask is, what can a leader do when they're in crisis? Because you made it through crisis, and, right? You had a, several in your life. I, there's so many examples that I can give, but I think the top one that just came to mind was spend time with yourself and really talk to yourself. Hmm. I think reflection, yeah. I'm a meditator, listening to your thoughts, listening to your gut, which hmm. is really the primary brain that we have, the gut. It starts with the gut first, but it has to be married with love. It has to be, you have a high opinion of everybody. And that is how I go into any conversation. I have a high opinion of anybody that I meet um, before saying the first word. And yeah. giving the benefit of the doubt to anyone um, that, that I meet, whether it's in a business situation or otherwise. Yeah. And if I have the ability and the time, and, and I feel like everybody does have time, you give back. If someone comes to, comes to you for advice, someone comes to you for something that you know that you have, it almost becomes an obligation for you to say, take the time out and say, yeah, let me, let, let me take some time out for you. Just like Gus has, for instance, for me. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, contribute to other leaders and really contribute to the world with, with the product you're providing. And I know if people want to know more about it, they can go to modgarden.com. But thank yes. you again for being so open as a leader, because so many leaders are lonely and struggling right now. And you really opened up and are giving hope to, to a lot of leaders. So thank you for being part of the show. It's my privilege.